This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hi, this is Lou Roberts. This is Tyrese Campbell. And you're listening to the Every Step Along The Way podcast. And then welcome back, everybody, to the latest episode of Every Step Along the Way. And it's sort of the last one in 2023 or the first one in 2024, depends when you're listening to us. Uh, but yeah, we're going to delve into uh, Stephen Schumacher's fifth unbeaten game so far. Is it a 1 1 draw at Watford? And a man who was there to see it in person after a late dash down to Vickery's Road, is uh, you, Michael Stockley. How are you, mate? Did you enjoy your trip down? Uh, yeah, I did, actually, thank you. It was um, pretty faultless. Got took about, pretty much almost bang on three hours, actually, uh, to get there on the on the club coaches, um, which was pretty decent until the toilet stopped working about an hour into the journey. So people, you know, people weren't overly impressed because... Obviously, they weren't stopping either. Uh, so I think there's a lot of people who were really hanging on towards the end. But yeah, um, no, it was, it was it was good. Thank you, mate. I'd say I wasn't really planning on, on necessarily going. And then I just had that urge that we've all had just to, oh, why not? Might as well go. Um, and yeah, I'd, I'd say I wasn't really disappointed. I think there was a lot of effort that went in. Uh, but we'll get into that. But yeah, how's, uh, how's your week been? Not too bad, not too bad. It's... Uh... Sort of back back to normal how it is, and so I'm sort of back in with work and that. Uh, but yes, I enjoyed I enjoyed uh, what I saw of the game. Thought it was quite uh, you know Watford looked a decent side. I mean, there were no pushovers. Really, they had their own threats. Uh, I know we'll get into it more in a minute. But yeah, I thought we we more than sort of held our own with them. So yeah, good. Good mate. Yeah, you know you're right. I think the what Watford. Definitely weren't pushovers. We, we, we didn't really know which Watford to expect, did we? Let's, let's be honest, because one week they're winning 4-1, next week they're losing 4-1. Um, and I, I genuinely went there with not a flipping clue what was going to happen. I mean, first observation is actually, you know, which nothing to do with the football, it was actually the, the stadium. It's the first time I've been to Watford. And it was, I'm not sure what the actual um, attendance possibly is, you know, maximum attendance. I'm not sure what that is, but uh, it feels like a very, like, small stadium is the feeling I got about it. I mean, I'm sure it's probably still 20-odd thousand seats there, no doubt, but it still it felt very um, very cramped, if I'm honest. The, the concourses are the smallest concourses I've ever come across. Absolutely ridiculous for 
uh, size in there. But uh, yeah, I mean, uh, in terms of like the the football, I'd say you know the team sheet wise was, I think everyone was pretty impressed with it. I, I can't I just can't really think of any major surprises that came from it. I mean, if, if anything, I, I probably expected a, a couple of more changes, more down to fitness, more than anything else. But um, yeah, it was a it was a, it was a good effort. I think the lads did put on an awful lot of effort in. And you know, again, no doubt we'll we'll talk about the red card so- shortly. But I don't really think that the the red card really affected things too dramatically. If anything, I think we actually looked probably the the weaker of, of the two sides. Actually, when 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 we got the ten men, we didn't really we didn't really look overly threatening. But I think it, it, the first reaction after the game, Dan, was oh god, that's, that's two points dropped. And I think to a certain extent, yes, it is. But I think you said like Watford weren't really any pushovers. They they had their own chances. Um, Bonham made that good good tip, but you can't really see it from the angle on TV. But the fingertip save to put the you know the shot onto the bar, it doesn't look like he does, but he, he really does get a fingertip on that, which was a, a really good uh, save from there. Uh, you know they they had a couple of chances where we we managed to clear clear our lines and stuff. So I'd say it was a relatively even game. Both teams could have easily won the match. I just think maybe both teams were blowing towards the end, especially us. You could just see normal if if we were a fully strength team, you know, full fitness, hadn't just played three or four games pretty much back to back. I reckon we would have potentially won that game, but fitness wise, they were just on the backsides at the end. So we probably got what was about right, I'd say, from the game. Unfortunately, yeah. I mean, like, like you said, uh, the team was a very attacking team. Once we saw sort of hacks returning to it, obviously we kept Vidal, Ryan Mai. Uh, we had uh, Berger, even sort of Thompson going in a left back is sort of you know can be considered a, a sort of you know a, a move to aid you know going forward more than in defence. Uh, I thought he, he he sort of had his hands full with that uh, Matthias Martins, didn't he? You know the blonde haired sort of winger for Watford. Yes, when he ever he sort of create issues or looked like he was causing problems. And then flattered to deceive when he actually, when the time come to to finish a chance or or, or you know to deliver a good ball, that Martin seemed to um, fluff his lines most of the time. Yeah, I agree. Lacking in a bit of final product, uh, I think. There, I mean, it's the first time I've I've seen him, so I'm not sure if that's if that's necessarily him um, just being him, and that's just what he is. You know, a typical championship player, bit a bit of quality, but always missing that final ingredient. I'm not sure. Yeah, I think he's the one who took the shots to get the corner, which I don't actually think was a corner, if I'm honest with you. Uh, when I, Again, I was right in front of it, and it didn't look like a corner at the time. The, the highlights don't really help uh, the situation either. But I think when you look at that goal of, of theirs, Dan, uh, it was, again, at the time, it was very clear that he'd lost his man. And again, the, the good thing with highlights is you get to see it back. Now, Berger, what you don't see is that Berger, basically, when the goal goes in, he speaks to the team and clearly holds his hands up and goes, that's my fault. And I think he was a bit, a bit harsh on himself. Maybe as captain, he's probably feeling like he had to maybe take responsibility. He was blocked off. It was a good, again, good defensive move in a way. You know, he was blocked off. He's peeled around his man. He's managed to get the head in and there's a pretty much a, a tap in on the line. You know, he, you can't really do an awful lot about that, but I think it was predominantly actually a good move from Watford. We 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 managed to block a man off. We do it all the time. Every club does it. There's nothing wrong with what they did. 
it was actually a, a good move and very much, I think, against the play at that point, uh, against the run of play. I thought we were pretty much bossing it at that point. Um, but like, like I say, I think it was just a bit of poor defending to an extent because we, we can't say it was just constantly being blocked off as good play. There's an element of good play, but we've done it all season. We've conceded from set pieces all season. Um, now, obviously, it's not Schumacher's fault. He hasn't he hasn't trained at all with these lads, really. So, I, I'm again, I'm just going to take whatever comes this year. But, yeah, I think a goal against the run of play, but at the, at the same time, I think we really responded um, well to that. Again, some good little interchange. You can see what Schumacher's teams are about. They're constantly tucking inside with the fullbacks, which scares the living daylights out of me at times. Uh, it leaves such huge gaps. But um, again, it's, I think it's a, a balance of risk and reward at this point. Yeah, I think. Do you think that certain players are adapting to that better than others? Like, say, Junior's come out and said how he's sort of relishing the, this new role he's been given, and he's, he's been showing videos of how to use it and what to do, and he's he's loving it. And then. You obviously you've got um, sort of Thompson on the other side was asked to do it. Obviously he feels more natural in the midfield position, so you'd imagine it wouldn't be too much of a problem. But then it's does he have the confidence to get up there, knowing that he's also primarily a defender? And then there's also the introduction of uh, Keanu Hoover, wasn't there in the second half, and sort of his sort of contribution to the game. Um, how how did you think he? Did when he came on. I like how he set me up there, considering my comments about him after the after the full time. I knew it was something. I knew it was something you'd probably want to get off your chest, so I thought I'd tee um, you up for it. Oh, I, I I don't know, mate. Some people will probably lose the rag they always do, don't they? Um, but also, in fairness, I feel like I've absolutely hammered the guy all season. If I'm honest, so it's, it's maybe a bit of both going on here. But uh, honestly, I think when you talk about people getting used to things, uh, I thought Thompson did really well. Um, he, he's he's been really good the last the last few games. Never looks out of place. Um, yeah, Kiana, we 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 know what his frailties are. I won't go into absolute war and peace comments I just think when we think about the final ball you know we've always said that what he lacked in defense which is very very obvious to see he's very much made up for it at the other end of the pitch and I just think he hasn't done that this season at all there was again the highlights really don't help but the, the amount of times that he got it down you know bit further up and it would be a it would be a very loose pass or it would just only about make it to the player which meant that he had no time to do anything with it um there's balls that were played in that never even got anywhere near a stoke player and you're like what the hell did you see there i don't know whether it's a confidence thing whether it's a quality thing whether it's a mixture of the two for me dan if he's loan got ripped up in january i wouldn't be shedding any tears about it i think i don't know what's wrong with him I do an element of me thinks this would probably be a good system that suits him from an attacking standpoint, which is why it baffles me a little bit more because we have seen how good he can be going forward, but he, he doesn't seem to be good at either right now. So if we can if we can sign somebody else in January, it won't be a priority position, I don't think. But if we can sign someone in January, then I would absolutely have no issues with that at all. Um, yeah, and it's a shame. I, I do feel like I've just been at him all season. I, I, I don't like doing that with players. I've got no agenda against players. I just call what I see, and he's the one that constantly keeps catching my eye. 
but you could say that that's because I keep looking out for it. So it's it's one of that. I minute. Mean, I don't know whether I'm being um, I'm seeing what I want to see, and <laughs> in terms of uh, feeling he's not been good enough this year or seeing quality, I genuinely couldn't tell you if I'm honest with you. Uh, but yeah, look, I think the vast majority of them have settled in well. I think one of the players actually who let me down, and this is this was probably surprised a few people, but let me down more than Henry did actually, uh, and that was Haksabanovic. I mean, there was me and there was a few other people next to me and stuff like that. They were all having the same opinion. He he's, he looked lazy. People give Tyrese Campbell some stick. He was lazy for a vast majority of that game. Yeah, look, he did well. He got up the pitch for the goal. But again, if you saw the match in its entirety, he the amount of times he would just stand still on the side of the pitch, that one run he made led to the goal. He didn't do that for the vast majority of the match. So he's got no excuse. Yeah, he's coming back from injury, but he's he's had nowhere near as many games as this lot have. So he really disappointed me because I I really like him. He's for me he he should not be on the wing. It very clearly does not suit him. For- One interesting thing with Hacks is that was actually the first time he's played ninety minutes for Stoke. So you think that's when was the last time he fully did ninety? Maybe that's you know with I think with Finnish you saying like he's a uh, your players who've played a lot of games and are going to be tired. Maybe he's the other end of the scale. Maybe he's lacking fitness because he's not played enough games, maybe. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a fair point. It absolutely could be that. I think it was, I think what bothered me now, if that was in the second half of the of the game, then totally understand. Um, but we're talking the first half of the match, you know, early on. He, he, was, he was just static on the side. Maybe that's just how he is. He'd rather, you know, try and do that and maybe cut inside because every time he got the ball, he tried to cut inside. He never once took his man on down the left-hand side. So he's obviously confidently is not going to be in that position. Where I'd like to see him is in what we used to refer to as like the Daniel Johnson type role, you know, just just before, just behind that striker. I think that's where he really shines because he is a creative player. He has got a good quality. Um, and I just don't think that wing suits him. I think on reflection, I think that's probably what it was. I don't think I'm going to give him the fitness excuse on this one just because it was in the first half. And if he can't last that long, then there's a problem. But yeah, I just, yeah, it, it was, I don't want to keep digging into it. It, it wasn't a really bad game at all. On another day, we win that for me. Um, but also on another day, so do Watford. So it, it was a really tight affair with two tired teams, I think. Yeah, I know you said as well, didn't you, obviously about the um, the, the, the sending off and how it changed the game. Uh, it seemed to galvanise Watford, didn't it? It galvanised the crowd, galvanised the players. They seemed to really sort of get behind, <laughs> get behind each other and, and then the fans really sort of pushed them on. Possibly, you know, saying that we do, you know, you, the fans, you, you maybe got your, your red and white tinted glasses on at certain points and they maybe had their, you know, gold and black ones on or a yellow and black glasses and, and maybe thought, you know, that, that was never a red card. And all of a sudden then it's like a siege mentality for the rest of the game and, to, and that seemed to be what spurred them on. And we, rather than continue doing what we were doing, where we were creating chances... Because we were against a man less, we seemed to start rushing everything, it, like as if we were panicking. That oh no, now we're playing ten men, we've got to win, and and it just seemed we seemed to create less chances doing that than if we just you know stayed quite methodical. Yeah, no, hundred percent. That's exactly what happened because I think the 
their home fans were silent until that point. Like, I mean, I've, I, I know we're bad, but they were even quieter. Even the guy with the drums didn't turn up. Uh, I don't think for for half of it. Uh, yeah, that they were they were nowhere as a, as a crowd. I'm going to be honest, and no doubt some Watford fans are listening to this. They, they always do, but honestly, I, I mean, our atmosphere has been poor. Theirs was just as bad. Uh, but yeah, the the red card was a red card. We saw it from where we were. He's basically. I mean, Thompson rightly actually should have been pulled up for a foul because he does block his man off. It is a free kick to Watford. And I think the fact that the referee let that go um, surprised me a little bit. He was a good referee, but again, that could be the red and white glasses because he did book about 75 of their players. Uh, Yeah, I I think it was definitely a red card. He swung his elbow out. He's caught him in the side of the head, I think, or the side of the cheek. Uh, He can't have any complaints about being sent off. But you're right, it, it did galvanise them. I don't know if they thought they'd been hard done by. I didn't think they had at all. They were lucky not to get a couple of other players sent off. When that player was booked, and um, again, these highlights need to improve, but uh, I was watching it back and it, it didn't show it. Like there was, he was booked, he's gone to the, the, the actual referee and basically thrown the ball at the referee and right in front of him, about six paces at the most. How he didn't get sent off again for that one, I don't know. So there's elements where they can count themselves lucky, but we didn't, you know, we didn't draw that game or, you know, drop points because of a referee. I actually thought he was a pretty decent ref. I think he let a lot go for both teams, probably let let more go for us, if, if I'm honest with you. But still, like it was, you're right. It was a, a galvanized team after that, and we were, what do we say, rushing it? Um, I wouldn't say necessarily it felt rushed to me at the time. It, it more felt like we don't know how to do this now. We don't know how to break this team down, which won't be the first time we've had that problem, let's be honest. I do think there was a large element of that. Again, a lack of quality in that final ball at times. But I, I do just think we were, we were at times trying to walk the ball in. Like There was the amount of touches we were trying to play on the edge of the box instead of just actually hitting it. I don't know, again, lack of confidence, lack of players willing to take responsibility if they miss the shot. Uh, maybe there's an element of confidence going on there right now. They, they've been, you know, they've, they've been highly pressured from fans and, and alike for, for months and months, and maybe that's just got to them a little bit. It's hard to know, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, just rewinding slightly to the red card, I actually think it was possibly two red cards in one. You do wonder whether, uh, is it Bayo once he got sent off? You do wonder whether he's got some sort of commitment over New Year that he needs to get to because he, he first of all, he brought his leg right up and he's like, you know, at a 90 degree angle and then slammed his heel down on McNally. And the ref sort of pointed at him, didn't he? They played on. I thought, how, how can you say, yeah, I'll deal with that in a minute? That, that's a red card. And then when he didn't do that, and the referee was like, yeah, get, get off, carry on. He then like proceeded to, you know, like, say, get up and elbow McNally in the face. And I was thinking, what are you doing here? Why have you... Why are you? It's like, oh, he did, oh you're not going to send me off for that one? Oh, well, send me off for this one then. <laughs> um, completely lost his head. Uh, just completely lost his head, didn't he? And um, I think McNally... Uh, actually, was if it, there was a few niggly things that I picked up on during, especially during that first towards the end of the first half, should I say? Um, I think he, I, I know, I, I was not not so much when he got kicked in the face or he got shouldered in the face, didn't he? But not not so much here that I think, <laughs> I think we'll put that down to S. Housery. 
Uh, but I think he was just sort of winding him up a bit. And, uh, you know, maybe it's something they picked up on. Maybe it's something that they knew was a possibility. He got a short fuse or something. But if it was, then the tactics certainly worked because he got sent off. Um, do you think then, oh, well, the manager certainly thinks this because he's held, he's, he's very refreshing to hear. He's held his hands up ante and said, you know, I, I made a mistake. I got it wrong. You know, we lost a lot of momentum. Um, but I'll, you know, I'll sort of you know, jot this down and, and you know, for future reference. He sort of went to Berger and Mayoff, which I do fully understand. I've got no criticism for him. He's got so many games in such a, a short space of time. And you think, you know, we've got a big game against Ipswich, which we're going to get on to in a minute. He don't, what he's the last thing he needs is Ryan Mai, who's already been out injured, Walter Berger, who's already been out injured this season, to pull up. They played a lot of football. He's asking them to do a lot of intensity, you know, a lot of high intensity work. Do you think he was right to sub them off? Obviously, in hindsight, you can say we didn't win the game, so he should have left them on. But do you, you know, do you understand and do you agree with the decision to take them off? Uh, for Berger, I'd say so. I think he started to disappear um, in that second half. And again, I think that was just the nature of. I've been tired, uh, if I'm honest. So I've got no issues with, with the burger one. For Ryan's, again, totally understand it from a fitness perspective. If he, I think he knows that really Ryan's probably the only player who can do what he can do at this club. Um, like, look, I wanted to see Wesley. I think Wesley has been massively underused since he's come. But at the same time, like, I don't know. It's strange for such a big guy it feels like he's got a shocking touch. Uh, now, whether that, again, is the lack of match fitness because he's barely played, I don't know. So I do get it because I think if you take Ryan out of this team, we're really struggling for that focal point up front. Tyrese isn't fit, clearly, um, still. Even now, he's not fit. So you know, we can't have this potential very good striker on his day coming back in. So he isn't going to come back. And I think Wesley very clearly probably hasn't even caught his eye yet. So he's not going to rely on him. So I think it's it's a it's a good point in the sense that he'd rather rest him for Ipswich because he knows he absolutely needs him. Because we really are struggling without him. So I totally get it either way. Um, was there anyone else he could have brought on? People would say Lowe. Uh, is that the type of game for, for a Nathan Lowe? I'm not quite sure. I, I, I want to see more of him because I'm desperate for the guy to do well. But I do actually think in those scenarios, maybe the experience is probably better uh, for for me, Dan. But I, I get totally why he did what he did. And, you know, if he goes and scores the winning goal against Ipswich, uh, no one's going to be um, complaining, are they? Yeah, whereas if he'd have left him on and the pair of them had picked up eight to ten weak muscle injuries, then you know that's the next two months written off of the season, basically, isn't it? because you've got your two, your focal point up front, and your your engine in the midfield gone. Um, and actually, speaking of picking up injuries, uh, Ben Pearson's going to be out for three or four weeks. Yeah, he, 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 you saw him uh, hamstring. You could just see as soon as he went down, uh, he kind of like gestured to the to the to the bench. He, he knew he'd done something. Now I, I, I can't say I've actually seen anything come out since. But uh, the way in which he was gesturing looked like I pulled the hamstring in. 
Uh, hopefully it's cramp or something and, and, and he's wrong. But, you know, what, what do you think of Ben Pearson just quickly, Dan? So I'm a massive fan of Ben Pearson. I think on his day, he's one of the best defensive midfielders in this division. I think he's maybe struggling to get used to the to the Schumacher way or whether it's just a bit of bad form. I'm not, I'm not quite sure. I think Thompson's actually been better than Pearson and I never thought I'd say that, if I'm honest with you. Yeah, I agree. I, I think... Um, so, do you know, I'd say that we're obviously looking to move the ball a lot quicker, aren't we? A lot more interchanging, a lot more passing, first time, to, you know, first time passes, second time passes. And I'm not saying Ben Pearson, you know, Ben Pearson's obviously a very a high quality footballer. And I think people, because he goes around kicking people up in the air, people forget how good a footballer he is with the ball at his feet. He doesn't get noticed as much, does he? He's very good at switching the play. Um, you know, but I think. The way this manager plays is very much more suited to our Jordan. Yeah, for Jordan Thompson, his playing under Stephen Schumacher, he's going to prosper far better than he was under Alex Neil. That's sort of the point I'm making. Um, I think. Do you think Pearson prefers a slower pace then, a bit like an Alex Neil pace? Yeah, like a little bit more space where he's he's going to pick the ball up. Um, maybe take the ball off the defence, drop in, you know, drop five, ten yards off the midfield, put the ball up, have a turn, and, and maybe look for that big diagonal ball or you know, pinging the ball out to the wings. And you, you think, you know, is, is that that's not really what they're looking to do now? They're looking to play through the midfield, not not sort of bypass the midfield as such. Um, I don't think. I think maybe is is, is he is he playing with something? Like is he playing with some with you know, with a hamstring injury, with a groin injury, or something that's that's hampering him in getting around? Because we know how good a midfield, how how good he covers the ground, um, how alert he is to situations, and that we've seen it, haven't we, in the in the past? You know, there was that time at Bristol City, wasn't there, when he off that corner, you know, when um, it was Josh Loren lost his man, didn't he? And, and you know, Ben Pearson saw you you highlighted it in you know, your video you made of it, where he's seen the situation. Uh, before anyone's seen the situation really and got in there and you know made a, a goal-saving challenge. So he's got that kind of ability. You just wonder, is there something stopping him playing at full tilt at the minute? Is there something physically that's holding him back? Um, we had a situation with Lewis Baker, didn't we, last season? People giving him absolute pelters, really, you know, digging into him. And when it come to light, uh, you know, he's obviously had a knee operation. He'd been carrying it for months and that's you know why he's been playing a lot less. So it's one that's interesting whether whether there is something like that going on or whether he's just struggling to adapt to to a new way of playing. I suppose we'll find out in in time, won't we? Yeah, we will. There's there's definitely a good player in there. I just I, you know what I, I didn't even think of it in in the sense that you and you were talking about the pace of things. I think he would love to just just sit there for the vast majority of game and not have to get involved so much in that kind of quick interchange play. And I think you're right. I think that's that's probably where he's struggling because he's not going to be able to just sit there and, and pick people off. He's going to have to get involved and move around and stuff like that. So be interesting to see if he adapts because I think he's he's going to have to adapt or else he'll find himself as good as he is. He'll find himself sitting on a bench for the vast majority of the season. So, um it's one to keep an eye on, but yeah, Jordan Thompson mentioned it, mentioned it on the last pod. Really impressed with how he's been doing. Again, he's he's actually been doing the the Pearson mould in the sense that you don't really notice him for the vast majority of the match uh, because he's just a steady Eddie. That's how I feel about 
JT at the minute. So good to see him um, proving a number of people wrong so far, including an element of of myself as well. Because um, at times under Alex Neal, he looked like a lost puppy. He really did. So it's good to see him uh, thriving. Yeah, well, one last player I want to talk about, uh, just on, on the what for game, is Ryan Mai. So what, I think for me, personally, I think he had the best game I've seen him in a Stoke shirt. Uh, I thought he he's really growing into that role now. And quite interestingly, you know, obviously I've got got to be spreadsheets and all the data and stuff. Um, I think if you combine the amount of minutes he played for Stoke, August to November, in December, he's only 12 minutes short of that entire time. So that just shows now, is he getting into a groove now? Is he finally getting you know, back-to-back-to-back matches in there where he's getting a run of games? And we always say with strikers, you know, some, a lot of strikers need a run of games, don't they, to get the best form out of them. Are we now seeing the benefit of Ryan May having an injury-free run where he's played just a few games in a row and we start, you know, we've seen glimpses of it in the first few months of the season. Now we're really getting to see it on a consistent basis. Because for me, I thought his whole play was fantastic. I thought how he brought others into play, his first touches, his little flicks and that. He's obviously, for me, I think if Stephen Schumacher was picking a, you know, a forward to play off the way he wants to play and all, all with runners around him, and that also, I'll let you come in a minute, Mike, but that's also a massive difference for Ryan Mai as well. The fact he's now he's now not just up there on his own. You know, he spent the first few months of the season with nobody within 30 yards of him, unless Andre Vidigal was busted a gut. So when he was injured, I think he naturally saw a drop-off in Mai as well because he had nobody nobody getting up in and around him, did we? Lloris stays very wide a lot of the time. Um, you know, obviously Campbell's been in and out of the season. He's not sort of had that connection with him, whereas him, Mai and Vidigal seem to hit it off straight away. Now... When ball goes up to my, there's people running past him. There's people running towards him. There's alongside. He's he's got options to you know. He's he's so sort of skillful. These little like I say, just little back heels, little flicks, just playing it into people's runs. He's a very very good footballer for me, and I think we're now starting to get the best out of him. He's made more for this manager definitely in my eyes. I don't really need to add much more to that. I think you nailed exactly where I'm coming from with him. If you look at the goal. His physicality, he holds the you know the defender off and nicely finishes into the bottom corner. You look at the challenge, uh, the the save rather towards the end of the game from the keeper. You know he's cut back inside, hit it, and the, the keeper's saved it. Um, again, really good effort. We were right behind that, and there was a, there was a defender just in front, which was partly blocking the the, the keeper's view. So you've got to give you know a great credit to him because that, that was a great shot. And I think I think you are right. I'm not gonna go over what you just said because I think I would I couldn't have put it any better. But it, we're definitely seeing a good player in there. We can see why we've spent a bit of money on him. If we can nail this down, he's our focal point, get players around him, whether that is the likes of Vidigal and Haksabanovic or two other players or you know, Vidigal on, on the left and another person on the right next season, whichever way it is, I definitely agree with you. I think he's a I think he's a quality player and we are seeing the benefits of that. He's you know what, without without him in that focal area in the middle, I think we're even in a worse position than we than we would think actually. I I think his his goal contribution which hasn't been as many goals as he probably deserves, but his goal contribution and how he's bringing the players in, I do actually dread to think where we would be without Ryan's contributions right now. Because I think the goals he's scored have been important goals as well. So 
yeah, we should probably count ourselves lucky because without him, we may have been in the relegation zone quite comfortably now. So, yeah, it, it, I can't wait to see what he's going to be like next season with a proper run of games. I still want to see him have a really good, you know, other half to this season. No more injuries. Just get that confidence up, get that experience up. And then next season, in theory, if we're still in the league, which I'm sure we will be, uh, then, yeah, he's he's got the capability to be a great player for me. And, you know, one of those rounded players who, as, as we said, can hold the ball up, can have a bit of pace, a bit of creativity, a bit of a good all-rounder, rather than just, say, a target man who can't do much more, which I, th- I think, unfortunately, Wesley is just a target man who can't do much more. So, yeah, I, 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 lo- I love to watch him play. And I think you're right. We're seeing the benefits now of, of prolonged match play. Yeah. And um, just, I'm going to go to my other match now. I just want to touch on something from the Watford side of things before we do. So it seems a good time to go into my other match because obviously it was hotly contested between Berger and Mai. Where does your vote fall down, Mike? Uh, I'd say Ryan. Only because I think, again, we would have been nowhere without him, I think, last night. Um, yeah, Vidigal was quite quiet. The rest of the players were very average on the whole. No one really shone in defence either. So, yeah, I think I think Ryan's, Ryan's got to have it. Well, I'll let you know that uh, Haksabanovic was in fifth. Joint third was Shamadou and Jordan Thompson with 6% of the vote each. And then there's a big jump, and it's really, it's really quite close. So, with thirty-eight percent of the vote was Ryan Mai, and with forty percent of the vote was Walter Berger for his eighth of the se- eighth man of the match of the season, and his third in a row. So a hat trick of Christmas man of the matches uh, for Walter Berger. He's a uh, he's wow. Bang. Okay. Do, do you think? He best uh, he best be sticking around longer than January. We don't want nobody. Let's just just hold him back a bit. Eh? We don't want nobody getting interested this early. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. I mean, if they think about, I was actually I'm just thinking. See, that surprised me. I didn't think he was he was overly great against Watford. I'm not saying he's bad by any stretch of the imagination. He was pretty solid, but he didn't do anything for me that made him shine on that one. Um, so that's interesting. He must have got to the point now where, <laughs> where, when, he, when he has a game, because he's that, his levels are that high, you just think, that's just a standard about to be in a game. That's a, it's just a standard about yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, quite possibly. Like I said, he did nothing wrong for me. I just, I just don't remember anything in the match and I was like, oh, that was good. I, just, I don't remember any, any side of that. So, uh, But again, like, look, I was... We can't see everything. You know, certain people will will focus on certain players, and you see more than than the, than the man next to you. That's that happens. Like, like I said, me with with Henry, right? Um, I'm focusing on him for balance of the game sometimes, not not intentionally, but it happens. So maybe I just I'm not seeing elements like that. But yeah, I mean, I think it's good to see him at the top. I'm not sure if we've ever had the same man of the match three times in a row. I, I mean, you may even have that stat somewhere, but I can't remember three in a row. No, I can't remember either. I don't think there are definitely not this season anyway. There's been a few, there's been quite a few twos. And Gucci's got two twice. Um I think Shamadu's got two, two in a row. 
So it's been a few twos, uh, but yeah, I can't remember if it's at all with either three. Uh, but yeah, he's, he's definitely banging form, and I think that that again, player of the season wise. I mean, I've got the, the numbers exactly right in front of me. I mean, we updated on the last pod, but I think he's he's now streaking ahead. Um, obviously, helped by the fact that you know he's closest to this as Larice, who's uh, you know not playing at the minute, obviously with a concussion. So yeah, he's uh, he's he's well, uh, well streak, like I say, streaking away at the top of them uh, player of the season standings. Best best brush up on our Dutch. <laughs> <laughs> ready for me um, one thing yeah just, just one last thing I wanted to say about Watford before we sort of move on now Valerie and Ishmael got booked towards the end of the first half didn't he the referee um, I thought he did a good job I thought he was trying he, he, a lot of the time he was trying to make sure that everyone knew he was in charge well, there was a lot of like, you know, you come to me, which which I think is fair enough for an official because it, it shows that, you know, they, like I say, there is a um, a respect there, isn't it? But for me, I mean, watch, watching Valerie Ishmael when he got, when he got yellow carded, the Watford manager, there was absolutely zero respect there for the, the officials. And it showed because quite quickly after, I think there was two Watford players books and then they came out after half-time and there was another yellow card, and then there was a red. And I think you know he didn't do his team any help. He didn't give his team any help there because the ref went over and he sort of you know, just beckoned him to cut. You know, the referee walked halfway, and he beckoned him to come towards him, walk towards him, and then he wouldn't. He, he just wanted. He stood there waiting for him to look at him, and he very petulantly was looking every in every corner of that stadium, but directly in front of him where the referee was with an absolute look of disdain on his face. And he was, like, looking down, he was looking up each corner, and he was, like, literally would not look at the ref. And the ref had given up in the end, just give him the yellow card. And then and then as he did it, he sort of growled at him, then looked at him as the card was brandished, growled at him. And then as he walked off, started on the fourth official again. <laughs> About, like, maybe. And I thought to myself, you, rather than owning what you've just done, you might not agree with it, but you're showing such a lack of respect to the referee, then no wonder your team have then gone out and you, the referee is booking people left, right and centre because your team have got no sort of control over what's... You know, he's doing this to keep control of the match because they're going around and they've lost total respect for, for, for him. And that stems, as it does, you say things stem from captains, things stem from managers, and that's that's what it looked like to me. You know, he showed a complete disdain, lack of respect for him, and that that's it's filtered down to the players. Yeah, I think it's a fair point. I mean, he's he's, he's only human, isn't he? At the end of the day, you know, he's he's he's, he's probably not not surprising that he might hold a little bit of a grudge against them. I, th- I say, I think they were lucky not to have another man sent off. I, I really do. I think what was how many how many yellows did he have? He must have had at least four yellow cards. Um, at least four, maybe five. I, I'm not quite sure, but yeah, well, I, I think that's all bad. three got booted, didn't they? The mid, the left back got booted. All three midfielders got booted. So yeah, there's four. Yeah, so yeah, I, yeah, I think it's a fair point. Um, I think that I think they were yellow cards as well. I mean, it's things do. It's easy for us to do this, right? Because Watford fans, I know the, their reaction afterwards was they was the worst referee. Blah blah blah. Um, maybe because we're on the you know which had the, the positive receiving end this time, that maybe we are a bit blinkered in that scenario. But yeah, I, I think I think it's fair enough. Just you know, if you're gonna mouth off, take a yellow card and get on with it. Um he I don't I don't know what what the solution is. 
I think it will always be the case. There'll always be managers, there'll always be players who don't like referees, don't agree with decisions, and will kick off about it. Um, but as you said, to their own detriment, it wouldn't, wouldn't surprise me if it happens another million times, Dan. Yeah, for sure. Um, we're going through sort of news bits now. Uh, before we do that, out of courtesy, man, is there anything else you want to add about the Watford game? Um, no, not really. I think it was the it's probably a, a fair result in the end. Um, would have been nice to get three points because going into Ipswich that would have been incredible. I mean, Ipswich are faltering as we'll get on to. But uh, yeah, I think one-one in the end, despite not wanting to be the result, was um, very much the correct result. I think. Now, somebody messaged us down and said, uh, "Who got one-one?" Because somebody got one-one on the pod. Was it? Was it you or Me. was it Mr. Kramer Gary? I was the only one who didn't go for a state win. Uh, okay. There we go. Nice to see that people are taking interest in my my fight to come back and win this predictor league. <laughs> uh, right, so let's get into a bit of news then. So there's only one real piece of news I picked up on. Uh, it's um, good news that Gabriel Kelly, which is a 17-year-old midfielder, uh, signed from Manchester City a while back. Uh, he's played for the under-18s. He's played for the under-21s. I think he started uh, last few... Well, he's played a few times for the under-21s recently. He has signed his first professional contract. So Stoker gave him a two-and-a-half-year deal. So they've obviously got a lot of faith in uh, Mr Kelly there. And yes, it's uh, promising signs. That's another one of the young lads from the academy signed up uh, for the future, Mike. So yeah, they've uh, nailed him down to a pro deal. They must have some high hopes for him. Yeah, yeah, I must admit, like I said, I don't think any of us have really ever seen him play. Um, uh, well, certainly can't be many people who've seen him play. So, yeah, we'll, we'll see how it pans out. We know there's a long, long way to go. We're yet to see how, you know, should we approaches the youth team, you know, youth teams and stuff like that. Are we going to see a, an influx of, of younger players or is he going to be favouring experience over youth? I think we'll have to wait and see on that one. Indeed. Right. Let's get into Ipswich at home on New Year's Day. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order mug delivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. So, we have played Ipswich on 79 occasions. We have 29 wins, 21 draws and 29 defeats. Nice symmetry there. At home, we've played them 39 times with 18 wins, 12 draws and 9 defeats. Now, defeat in August at Portman Road was the first loss in nine matches versus Ipswich, dating back to December 2004. How about this though, Mike? The last time that one club did the double in these corresponding fixtures was 1987 88. 
when Ipswich won 2-0 at home in August before beating Stoke 2-1 at Stoke on New Year's Day. Oh, OK. <laughs> so right, Ipswich beat us 2-0 at their place in August this year. Let's hope that we're not sort of back here discussing a 2-1 defeat on New Year's Day. Stoke's home record. So we are 18th in the home table with 15 points, although we have no win in five at home. Ipswich's away record has some second in the away table uh, with 24 points. The last six away games, though, they've won two, drew two and lost two. So they're getting a bit inconsistent away from home. Uh, last five matches. Now, this might surprise you, Mike. The last five matches in the form table, Stoke have seven points and are 10th uh, with no defeat in the last five matches. Ipswich only have six points and are 15th in the form table with no win in their last four. Um, so, yes, Stoke actually ahead of Ipswich in the form table. Not very often been able to say that this season, have we? <laughs> no, no, they, they feel like they're really faltering. I know we'll, we'll get into it, but, yeah, that actually that does surprise me a bit. Um, so, Schumacher uh, versus Ipswich, he's, he's managed even against them four times. He has one win, one draw and two defeats. Uh, the only home game, though, out of those four was his solitary win when he beat them 2-1 in September 2022 as Plymouth manager. Um, obviously, the record between Stephen Schumacher and McKenna is exactly the same as above. And McKenna's record against Stoke is one game, one victory, which was the um, the, the game at Portman Road in August. So we mentioned that Ipswich won 2-0. They also have four wins from four games, though, when he was Man United's under-18s head coach against Stoke's under-18s. So just add those into the mix. Uh, Stokes keepers have saved 72.9% of shots, which is the fourth highest in the league. Uh, very different to what we were considering the last couple of years when we were down the bottom of that ta- that, them tables. Uh, Ipswich, though, have saved just 63.6%, which actually has them 20th in that table. So the goalkeepers, when they concede shots, maybe they are good chances that they are conceding. Um, Ipswich have conceded four own goals this season, which is twice as many as any other side. We've just had the one, which was um, the hamstrung Ben Pearson at QPR. Uh, nobody has more assists this, um, this season than Ipswich and Leif Davis with nine. However, we'll get on to Leif Davis in a minute. He missed their last game against QPR with an injury. Um, so with this game coming hot on the hills for that just three days later, I would say it's probably unlikely he's going to fe- feature, you know, if he wasn't even good enough, to, uh, fit enough to be on the bench. Uh, Connor Chaplin has had 85 shots, uh, which is the second most of any player in the league this season. Uh, Kieran McKenna as well. On the other hand, for him, only once in his managerial, managerial career has he gone five games out to win, which was in April 2022. Um, the last season, last season, after Boxing Day, Ipswich went four games without a win. Now, you consider the way he plays, you consider how high intensity they are and how, and also the small squad and little rotation that they don't really get to do. Uh, we mentioned it, we, you know, they've got one, that, you know, they don't use that many players, etc. It's funny because is this now, like, is, is, does it become a trace? Because obviously they're in poor form. Now, when there's a lot of games, they were in poor form. Um, previously, last season, around the same time when the games are thick and fast, is it something that Stoke can take advantage of? 
So is that something, isn't it? Uh, James Bell, 15, he's the referee uh, on New Year's Day. 15 games he's ref this season, 58 yellows, three reds, two penalties, 12 home wins, no draws and three away wins. He's ref Stoke on three occasions, giving us 12 yellows, no reds, no penalties, one win and two defeats. Uh, he ref the 1-0 home win against Watford in August, but also he was the referee when we lost to Southampton this season. Uh, in those two games, by the way, he's given us uh, nine yellows and only two to the opposition. So just to watch that. But if you remember that Southampton game did get quite heated, didn't it, after the, the free kit was awarded that they then stuck in the top corner? Um so, yeah, so he didn't have great memories of that one. Referee Ipswich, he's ref them on two occasions, giving them just two yellows, no reds, no penalties, zero wins, one draw and two defeats. Uh, but the last time he did ref them was a 2-0 loss away at Barrow in the FA Cup in December 2021. The three games he has ref them and they've not managed to score in any of them. How about this? This is very typical Stoke. <laughs> He's refed 11 championship games this season. 10 of them have been home wins, Mike. So 10 home wins out of 11 games. The one game that wasn't a home win is the aforementioned game when Southampton came to Stoke and won. <laughs> the only match he's refed this season in the championship where there hasn't been a home win was involving Stoke. Um, of course it was. <laughs> uh, even though he's only refed Stoke three times... He's only given Wigan more yellow cards than he has Stoke in his refereeing career. So he's given them 17 yellows as well. But yeah, that's the ref. Here's he's good counting staff lucky that he's not playing. <laughs> um, that's your ref. Those are your stats. Let's listen to Graham McGarry and then we will discuss Switch Town. Well, hello there, you Potters predictors. It's a happy new year from myself, Graham McGarry, to all you red and whites. And let's hope these last couple of games are a signal of better times to come as you follow your team both home and away. Excellent results have given you four points out of the last two games under Stephen Schumacher. And now confidence must be growing within the squad to go on for a better second half of the season. Well, they're playing Ipswich Town, who's taken the championship by storm. But they just had a wobble this last couple of weeks, and it could be, as they say, in football the right time to play them not many people will be making Stoke the favourites but you Potters fans will certainly have them favourites to win it and I'm going with you as well Stoke City 2 Ipswich Town 1 Cheers for that Graham um, yes Mike so I've sort of mentioned there Leith Davies he's massively influential for them creates so many uh, chances uh, so all the assists and everything but he's, I doubt he's going to be playing. He didn't manage to get in the squad for the game uh, at the weekend. I don't think you'll see him you know, on, on Monday. There's also illness in the camp, which apparently ruled a couple of players out of the game on Friday. And also George Hurst, who's obviously been one of the key men for them up front. He's going to be out for what's described as a long time with a hamstring injury. So the injuries are starting to mount for a lot of clubs. I mean, we've got our own. But the injuries, illnesses, a lot of stuff starting to come into play now, isn't it, with the championship? Yeah, yeah, it it, it is. And like you said, I, look, I'll hold my hands over. Ipswich have proved me wrong by a long way uh, this season. I generally did not think they were going to keep it going as long as they have done. So if they're only starting to falter now at what twenty-five games in, then 
all credit to them because clearly they've they played pretty brilliantly uh, for most of the season. So I think the one thing you can say about Ipswich really is that if you look at that, they they do concede goals. That's the one thing you can say. If you look at the actual table, they've conceded 33 goals this season. Now, um, only Hull in sixth with, have got 33 goals conceded. And then you have to go down to Middlesbrough in ninth who've conceded 36. So if you look across the actual division, there's, there's teams who are much further down who have conceded less. The one thing that's helped them is that from goals actually scored, obviously Leicester are, are Leicester, they are pretty damn good we all know that but they still scored 48 goals now if you go actually throughout the whole division I don't think there's a single team who was who scored more goals than Ipswich other than Leicester so you know they, they've got a lot of firepower yes they are faltering probably down to the lack of again rotation but we're also going to be in a similar situation where we're going to have to rotate a few players I think so I guess it depends on the rotation for both sides. Who's got that little bit more quality uh, when it comes to the rotation? I mean, uh, look, I've, I, you've got to give Ipswich credit. I don't think anyone would have had Ipswich in second. I imagine most Ipswich supporters wouldn't have had them in second at this point. Uh, they need to be a bit careful. I think Southampton have picked up a lot of form coming into the last, what, four or five games. They look like they're scoring for fun. So where Ipswich are faltering, Southampton now maybe with a, a bigger squad are starting to benefit from from that. So what a team I thought they were going to run away with it with with Leicester just a little bit now points starting to kind of creep up. I think is it like three points in it between Ipswich and Southampton? Now don't don't be wrong, Dan. I mean playoffs. If Ipswich got playoffs, I'm sure I'm sure they would have taken that before the start of the season. Um, but it'll probably feel like a, a bit of a disappointment for them now, actually. So, I, yeah, I, I think it's going to be an incredibly close game. I do think it's going to make a big difference on who scores first. I really do. If I, I, I was going to say, if, if, the, if they score first, I'd be concerned. But I don't think they're a team who are going to come here and sit back. Normally, I'd say, well, you know, they'll go one up and sit back. Most teams do in the 3-6-5. But I don't think that's the McKenna way. I think he'll want them to to keep up that momentum and I think they'll want them to go and score two or three if they go one nil up. So whether that'll play into our hands or whether our lack of fitness will not allow us to capitalise, I'm really unsure which way this one's going to go. Um, also, we'll say for no, no doubt the Ipswich uh, person who was, who was listening earlier on the season that slated me because I, I, I slated <laughs> Ipswich. Um, Luke, uh, yeah, Luke surprised me. And it's nice to see someone else, you know, coming up from the division and, and, and going again. So, but I do think they will falter. I'll still stand by my my, uh, my commitment from earlier on this season. I think Southampton will now take over that second spot. Yeah, you mentioned that about our um, sort of fitness levels and, you know, maybe a lack of fitness or fatigue coming in. The thing is, we've got players, we've got the big, we've used more players than anyone else in, in the division this season. And, you know, it's eight or nine players. That's a massive difference, the, the amount of players we've used against the amount of players that, that Ipswich have used. And you think that they're quite close-knit when they do get a few injuries. There's not the players to turn to, is there? I mean, if they are bringing people in out the cold who haven't played all this season, that's not going to be great. Um, and I, I think as well, 
that I mean, I, I sort of said it in the group just a couple of weeks ago. It's easy playing this free flowing football. They're scoring lots of goals and conceding, and they're scoring loads, and that's it. And then they've got them up in second, and it's kept them going, and they've got a bit of a juggernaut going. They've carried the momentum from last season, the feel good factor. Now they're in with no offence to it, but they're in with the big boys. Southampton leads are chasing them down. They had an 11 point gap, I believe. It might have been slightly less. I'm sure it's about 11 points. They were clear of third at one point. And now that's down to two. It's down to two points. The leads have faltered a bit, but they are still, you know, snapping around just behind Southampton. And for the first time on New Year's Day, they're going to go for the first time in a long time since the league table probably mattered because it doesn't early on the season, does it? They're going to go into a game on New Year's Day knowing that if they don't win, they might not be in the top two. You know, come um, come the end of the game when the results come in from from the Southampton. And to think that you know, that then is a lot of pressure to think how, how far ahead they were. And at the start of the season, there was no pressure on Ipswich to go up. You know, it would have been just to stay up. But through their fantastic playing and, and the results that they've got and you know, the great work, they've manufactured now this position where there is pressure on them to stay up with teams they really shouldn't be staying up with. And it's whether them players have got the belief and like I say, for a team that relies on scoring a lot of goals, all of a sudden those goals can dry up because when you feel nervous, when, you, when you've got that sort of understanding of the importance of, of you know, taking a chance when it comes to you, you maybe start snatching at chances. So then if you start snatching at chances and only scoring one a game instead of three, then, then three, two wins are now two on defeats. And that'll quickly snowball because the more you do that, the more pressure then when you do get a chance, the more pressure. And then the last, you know, the, the more likelihood of you missing the following chance and the following chance. So I'm not saying Ipswich are, do, are doomed to the playoffs or whatever, but I think they'll be, I think they'll do very well to stay in touch with Southampton as the season goes on now, both due to squad depth and also, like I say, the, the way they play, it, it's going to take real mentally strong strikers to continue to find the net you know as often as they are doing like when it when it push comes to shove towards the end of the season yeah no no yeah fair point like, like i say i think they they're going to be in trouble in the fact that southampton will think of what one four out of their last five games and they've obviously drawn three and lost one out of their last four games as well so yeah again i think they're the the they are susceptible conceding goals. We've we've said that uh, they they may score um, as well against us. I'd, I'd be surprised if if they don't. I mean, my prediction is to go for another one one draw. If I'm honest with you, I still think that would be a a decent enough return. I'm not sure what our record is on uh, New Year's Day. Actually, I think yeah, probably probably find that one, or that might be in your magic book. I'm not I'm not quite sure, but yeah, I. I I would say a point would be a, a fair result because it was just still a good team. And like I said, I think the rotation that we're going to have to make as well is going to weaken us. I know we can say we've got more players and stuff to come in. Uh, how many of them you would choose to have in at this point for 90 minutes? I'm not sure. But for me, yeah, I think I think they're a good team. They're a team that are faltering. There's always one team at least that ends up faltering the further they get into the season. And maybe that's the reason why because of lack of rotation. But, uh, I mean, Dan, I'll just, I'll just give you my, my team, if, if you don't mind. Um, 
Now, this is really difficult for me because I think we do need to rotate. Now, obviously, Pearson's going to be out, which obviously begs the question, who can come into that defensive midfield space um, or uh, alongside the likes of Berger? I think we're really struggling there because I think Thompson's going to have to play left-back again. <sighs> I don't know what's happened to Stevens. I mean, you're hearing nothing about it. Ben Wilmot, as much as I'd love him to you know, maybe come in and maybe even slot into the right-back space so that Junior can move across to the left. Oh, I, th- I think it's really tricky. So I'm going to have to go for Baker, I think, in that defensive mid spot with, with Berger. I don't think that's Baker's best position by a long shot, uh, a long shot, to be honest with you. I think that's probably not the best place for him. But unless anyone else comes to mind for you, I'm struggling to see who else we can get in that defensive midfield spot. Unless, again, Stevens is back, which allows Thompson to go in. But there's, there's no signs of him being back, is there? No. Um, I've got Hoover in a left-back, or Junior in a left-back, Hoover in a right-back, um, just to allow Thompson to go into midfield. Um, obviously, Bonham, yeah, fair enough. McNally, Rose, let's say Junior and, and Kiana. Uh, Thompson in midfield, Berger, Baker is in front of him, so I am bringing Baker in. Uh, just as in John Howe's played a lot of minutes, I think he will look to sort of rest him. Um, he's not scared of making early subs, is he? So I think that the opportunity arises, he'll you know be more than happy to bring, um, say, uh, Bay on for Baker, you know, half-time, just after half-time. It's interesting, though, where do we go with... To keep like so, like the wide men, like Haksabanovic, Larice obviously is unavailable. You know, can we? Is Haksabanovic going to play another game? Vidigal has played a lot recently. We're actually quite on width options. We're quite sort of low, aren't we? And in, in, in you know, possibility of who we can put out there. Um, I think well, he may play start with. Sorry, do you think he might play Jojic? I don't know. It'd be a big ask because he couldn't have seen him very much, could he? No, he has scored a lot of goals for the twenty threes, though. You know, he's done really well for them. Scored a lot. Um, I wonder whether you'll see Daniel Johnson on the left wing. Um, oh no, not again! A guy can can barely play in any position, never mind left wing. Jesus Christ! Sorry, mate. He's just I, he's not he's not good this season. He really I, isn't. I think you might see Johnson starting in Vidigal. I think then that leaves you Haksabanovic. And by Bay to come off the bench, um, to as you sort of game changing subs, aren't they? You creative subs to come on. Um, but yeah, we are sort of losing a lot of you know, sort of what you know, what we've got there. And we think, you know, as long as we're in the game after an hour, we might bring them two on. Um, but yeah, like I say what you don't want, say Vidigal's another one, and he's you know, prone to picking up. Muscle injuries, it seems so far in his you know, short stoke career, he's had a couple. So you don't want to be sort of you know overplaying him, but needs must. I mean, they've got they've got two weeks down the rear, basically, or is it twelve days till the next league game after this one? They've obviously just got the cup game against Brighton. So yeah, well, we shall see. I mean, who's who's your front three? So yeah, I've, I, you know what I've. I've kept Juno in mind. I get, I get your point totally on, on why you would rest him a little bit. Uh, but now we've mentioned, I'd say Haksabanovic is going to stay in the team just because I think he, he needs, he probably needs more game time than most of them, if I'm honest. So I think he, he needs to stay in there. 
Finnegal will stay in there because again he gives us some more natural width and he is, he is a creative player. So Juno stays there and obviously Ryan up up front um is that number number nine or whatever for that focal point. So he he will he will play there for me. I do think that we will see JH through the game. He's clearly on the bench for a reason. I don't think that reason would have changed because we've not got a, a rook of players coming back. The only way that I think that he does not go on the bench is if Tyrese is back. But again, it doesn't sound like he is. I asked somebody, how you know, when's it when's he going to be back? And I think the answer was the end of January. So um, we, we never really hear anything about the injuries, do we, these days? But Clearly, Tyrese doesn't sound like he's even close to coming back. So, uh, yeah, I, I do think we're going to see him for you, youth. I don't think he's going to make want to make too many changes, but I'm going to go for that. I'm going to go Thompson at left back, Junior at the right, McNally and Rose, Baker and Berg on the two older midfielders, and then Haksabanovic, Juno, Vidigal and May. Uh, I think that's going to be the team for me. And you just expect to see all five subs being used throughout the game, 100%. Yeah, sounds good to me. Um... Anything else you want to add? No, nothing, nothing to add. I'm going to go for a draw. I'm going to go for the for the one-one. I think. Yeah, I think I'm going to go for two-two. There'll be a few goals. Uh, have you got me a who am I to round us off, Mike? Absolutely not. No. <laughs> oh, here's one I prepared earlier for you. Oh, what a um, shock! <laughs> so I was born in Aghagalan. On 17th of August, 1987. Sorry, you were born where? Ag Hagelin. <laughs> I've never heard of it. Neither had I. I thought it was fun to attack you <laughs> in there. It sounded great. Uh, I spent four years at the Man United Academy as a teenager. No? Uh, Fletcher? Not quite. I made 146 appearances for Stoke between 2010 and 2016. 2010 and 2016. Ooh. Oh, no. No, not, not, not yet. No. Uh, number four, I created a furore when after playing for Northern Ireland up to under the fifth, under under 15 level, I then switched allegiance to play for the Republic of Ireland and went on to earn 25 caps. Hmm. I feel like I should know this now. Oh, can't be Mark Wilson, can it? It is indeed Mark Wilson. Oh, yes. <laughs> I was trying to think. I was trying to think for a second. Then did he play for United? Yeah, yeah, he was the United Academy. I was, I was, uh, I was trying to think there, but yeah, Mark Wilson. I think you would uh, you would have got it off the last one, which was I signed for Stoke on deadline day 2010 in a deal that saw Liam Lawrence and David Kitson go the other way to Portsmouth. Nah, yeah. Right, uh, I think that wraps it all up, doesn't it? It does, and uh, yeah, I mean, hopefully everyone's not sick to the back teeth of us, to be honest, because me and Dan were looking at this, and um, the new manager is also adding to our podcast extensive library I mean we've done 11 podcasts in December uh, we're all podcast out um, a little bit I think but yeah thanks for sticking with us um, probably the most we've ever done in one month but yeah I don't know about you Dan but I think I'm I think I'm done for podcasts for, for at least a week 
<laughs> yes, I think we will accumulate with there's only four. I think if you count Good Friday's game as a weekend, there's only four games now between now and the end of the season currently that are like midweek. Um, so you're probably going to hear us a lot less, I'd say, probably more than one a week mainly. Yeah, exactly. And for anyone who's relatively new, because I know there's a, a lot of you are, I mean, we, we, we always obviously release Friday 6 a.m. typically uh, is kind of when it goes out. If there's a midweek match, there's normally one on a Monday. Uh, again, same time. So uh, we don't really change the schedule unless, obviously, like this Christmas period, we, you're kind of forced to. Um, but yeah, like I said, thanks everyone for sticking with us. One thing we never do, by the way, is that's push our Facebook page and Twitter pages and stuff like that. So we're obviously on Facebook. So if you just search for every step along the way, you can join a uh, quite a big community now on there. Uh, every single week we're getting 30, 40, 50 a week and, and we never mention it. So uh, thanks for the word of mouth going on there and obviously on Twitter and, and whatnot as always. So uh, just thanks to me for everyone who's listened this year. It's been uh, probably year-on-year year growth every single time that we've had. Um, so, yeah, just a, a thanks to me. Everyone, obviously, enjoy enjoy the new year. Uh, are you doing anything for New Year's, Dan, or are you, uh, are you a bit like me, just, you know, drink, TV, and that's it, and I've done? A bit boring. I don't get New Year. I don't get the big thing about it. I'm boring. No, I don't. <laughs> I, it doesn't. It doesn't interest me. I know some people live for it, but no, for me, I, it can just pass me the by that one. All right. Well, yes. Thank you for everyone for everything in 2023, and we shall see you in 2024. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.